Um, I'm going to speak to you today on raising godly children. Amen. One amen from Pastor Layla. <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse number 6, he says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, may your word bless every life today. Amen. Give me utterance in the spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Notice it says, when you train up a child in the way he should go. Now he there also uh, represents ladies. Right? Yes. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he or she is old, he or she will not depart from it. Yes. Now, I want you to understand that what I want to speak to you today is about raising godly children, not perfect children. My topic does not say raising perfect children. My topic says raising godly children. Your children won't be perfect, but they can be godly. Your children won't be perfect, but they can demonstrate godly attributes. And that is what God wants. God wants your children to rise up and demonstrate godly attributes. They won't be perfect. They will make mistakes. Raising godly children is so needed in our society today where morality is at an all-time low. And you know we live in such a time when our children are coming under so much pressure to conform. They are coming under so much pressure to conform. There is all kinds of peer pressure, all kinds of societal pressure to conform. Our children are called odd because they would not compromise. Their friends are putting so much pressure on them to compromise. And because they refuse to compromise, they are considered odd. But I want to speak to young people. I want to speak to you today as a pastor, but also as a parent. But also as someone who was once a child. Don't feel the pressure to conform. Righteousness pays. Your friends want you to conform. And today, one of the big pressure that I believe that children are facing is the pressure to to be loose sexually. The pressure to be sexually loose. Your friends think it, think it is odd to be a virgin in the 21st century. But I've got news for you. It is good to be one. Don't get quiet on me and I'm preaching good. They're coming under so much pressure to conform. And, and many young Christians feel shame. Because if you are clean, you don't belong. If you don't smoke joint, you don't belong. If you don't go to the kind of Parties they go to, you don't belong. 
Let us face it. This is the pressure that our children are going through. And not so much is preached in this respect. The Bible says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The children are the leaders of tomorrow. And if we don't sow into them the right word, if we don't put into them the right things they need to succeed in the future, then tomorrow will be a disaster. I want to say to you as a Christian young man, as a Christian young woman, do not come under the pressure to conform. The Bible says, do not conform to this world. Do not conform to the system of this world. Do not conform and allow the pressure that they put on you to cause you to cave in. Righteousness pays. Say righteousness pays. It pays to serve God. It pays to be righteous. It pays to live clean. It pays to be different. The fact that everyone is doing it does not mean it is right. The Bible even talks about those who follow a multitude to commit evil. The fact that everyone does it does not mean it is right. And when you study the Bible, you will discover that those that God used were men and women who separated themselves unto God. They said, I would not conform men like Joseph. I would not conform to the system. I would not conform to what is going on in my society. I choose to separate myself that I might be a vessel fit for the master's use. Is somebody listening to me? And our children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. If you believe it, shout a big amen. amen. We've got to understand the devil is working over time to snatch our kids from us. The devil is working over time to snatch our kids from us. In, in some cases, the devil would use government officials to make laws that destroy homes. I was preaching in, uh, in a place in Western Europe. I will not mention the country. But my host was telling me about how the government is trying to destroy the family structure. He said the government is trying to destroy the family structure. And this has been going on for years. What they are doing is to make sure that daddy and mommy are busy. Because when daddy and mommy are busy, guess what? The children do not have anyone to raise them up. And when the children do not have anyone at home to raise them up and be an example, guess what's going to be an example to them? Television. Guess who's going to be an example to them? Celebrities. When he told me this, I realized how true this is. How laws and how things have been allowed into society by officials of the government that put so much pressure on the family, on the parents, so that they are absent. 
Because in the morning, daddy wakes up and he leaves home. And mommy wakes up and she leaves home. And by the time they return back home, it is too late. It is not just too late. They are so physically worn out and tired because of all the work they've done. And there is no time for the kids. And then the kids grow up under a nanny. And don't even get me started on what nannies do to them. When I learned from a good friend of mine about 20, 20 years ago, he said this to me, or 25 years ago, he said this to me, he said to me, he said, nobody will look after your thing like you. When I heard that about 25 years ago, it stuck with me. Your thing is your thing. Is that correct? He said, nobody will take care of your thing like you would. It stays with me. And so you give them over to people. You give them over to nannies and over to servants to raise them up. And to raise them up in a way that is contrary to the word of God. And you don't even have an idea of what's happening behind closed doors. So all kinds of things are released right now to take children away from parents. You don't even have the right to spank or flog your children because it is child abuse. Who know what I'm talking about? Now those of us that are coming from Africa don't have an understanding of what I'm talking about because in Africa... Absolutely not. No. If your parents don't do it, the neighbors will do it. We know what I'm talking about. In Africa, we understand that your child is not yours alone. Everybody in the neighborhood is the parent of that child. So, and that's why you see Africans, the way we live our lives, we call everybody uncle, everybody auntie, even though they are not related to us. Everyone is my brother. Pastor Corey did not understand that when he first started this church. Because here comes an African, and he says, oh, that's my brother. Pastor Corey said, uh, you mean you're like the same parent? Oh, no, no, my African brother. Because the moment you are from Africa, you're my brother. You're from Africa, you're my sister. And so there is just that idea of communal living. It was a communal living. It's a, it's a communal living mentality where everyone is your father, everyone is your uncle, everyone is your auntie. And if your own biological parents don't do a good job, your neighbor will help you. <laughs> we had to literally set that straight in this church. Because some people thought to themselves that I can spank someone else's child. And we had to fix that in this church because of some of the Africans we had at the time who thought to themselves, well, I will beat you if your parents don't beat you. <laughs> We use the word beat. I'll beat you. Correct? If your parents don't do it, your neighbors will do it. If your neighbors don't do it, your school teacher will. 
Is this true? Here in the West, school teachers don't, don't do nothing. They let you do anything. You jump on the desk in the class. You run around. You misbehave. And school teachers don't do nothing. You don't do that in the place where we come from. Correct? The Bible says foolishness. That was a foolishness. Is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction. Will drive it far from him. Now I am not subscribing to you. Spanking someone else's child. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But I'm just trying to show you how we were raised. I'm trying to show you where we came from. And coming from Africa, we, we, res, we respect elders. We don't call elders by their names. We call them uncle, auntie, and uh, you know what I mean by that? We, we don't call them, you don't go, you don't say, Layla. You, you, I'll slap, I'll slap the, I'll, I'll, I'll slap the hell out of you. You don't do that. But then I came over to Turkey and I realized that Turkey also have the culture of respect. When you, when you greet an elder like this, you, 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 you don't just shake hands with them. You shake hands, you actually grab their hands and you, you, kiss, their, uh, you kiss them and you put it on your head. That's a sign of honor and respect. Depending on where you come from in Africa, Nigeria to be particular, you kneel down in some cases when you meet your elder. Correct? When you have lost discipline in the home, the children will run crazy. And they will do whatsoever they want. And it gets to a point where it becomes too late. Everyone say too late. May it not be too late for your children in Jesus' name. It gets to a point where it becomes too late to recover them. That is the reason why we must all rise up and do what we ought to do in our homes. They say family is the bedrock of society. You want a healthy society? You've got to build a healthy family. You want a healthy church? You've got to build a healthy family. You cannot have a healthy church when you have family members in, home, in their homes fighting and quarreling and having strife. They're going to bring all of that to the church. Do you understand how important it is for every family to be healthy? Because when you have a healthy family, you have a healthy church. When you have a healthy family, you have a healthy community. But when there is infighting and there is strife and there is bickering and all of that, they will bring that to church, especially when all of them are members of your church. You're going to have division in the church. So we must do what we ought to do to raise Healthy, godly, not perfect, but godly children. What's a godly children? godly children? There are some factors that I'm going to share with you today. 
As I begin to round up this message, these are, these are factors that will affect raising children. Factor number one, the environment. Everyone say the environment. the environment. Now, environment is very important. To raise any living thing to its fullest potential. You know that there are seeds that would not grow in certain places in the world. Because the environment is not what? Conducive. You know that there are animals that will not survive in the Arctic. Because of the extreme cold weather. Because of that extreme cold weather, when you take them over to the Arctic, they would die. Everyone say, weather condition. The weather condition of your family is important. The environment at home is important. The home is an environment. Yeah. I said the home is an environment. The home is an environment. I had someone who told me, he said, I'm, I'm scared for my son. Because what they are teaching my son right now in school is you can decide your sex. If you feel like a girl, then you're a girl. He told me, he said, I'm afraid for my son. I don't know what will happen. Whatever you feel like. In actual fact, there are many genders today. In actual fact, you can decide to be a dog if you want to be a dog. Just feel like a dog, you're a dog. Do you know that what I'm telling you is not made up? It is true. It is happening in the world we're living in today. Don't bury your head in the sand like an ostrich. You've got to understand what is pumped into your children. You can pierce wherever. And people pierce all kinds of places. All in the name of being trendy. They pierce, they pierce, they pierce, they pierce, they pierce. Now for you, a young lady, to pierce this place, there is a reason. You can't pierce that and cover it up. You pierced it so that you will expose it. So you wear... Don't get me started now. Don't get me started now. These are the things that people are adopting. And listen, they say, well, you, you, you can't say we shouldn't do that. What has my body got to do with my, with my salvation? Well, listen, the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are God's house. Come on now, say amen. amen. The Bible says if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy that person. You are God's temple. Keep the temple of God pure. Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. But, but here is the idea. This is what the devil is trying to do. The, see, the devil is trying to get young people, our children, to cross the line of no return. Because it is little by little. The Bible says a little leaven would what? Will live in the whole lump. It's like putting a yeast on the dough. It will spread. 
That is what the devil is trying to do. And the church must be sensitive. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. We know the tactics. We know the schemes. We know the maneuvers of Satan. We know the end game. Therefore, we must not be ignorant at the beginning. Come on now, somebody shout amen. amen. A young boy tells his daddy, Daddy, when I grow up, I, I'm going to pierce this. Daddy said, said to him, why would you do that? He said, it's my body. I can do whatever I want to do with it. How old is he? Six or seven. Because that is what they are taught in school. The body is yours. You do whatever you want with it. Can I tell you that the number one commandment of Satanists, you know, just like you have ten commandments given to Moses on the Mount of Sinai in Exodus chapter 20 they also have 10 commandments for those that worship Satan do you know number one commandment of Satanists do what thou wilt do what thou wilt this is what it means do whatever you want that is the number one commandment when you go study the book of Exodus chapter 20, you will see the commandment that God gave to the people of Israel. Gave it through Moses. The two tablets of stone. Correct? And then you see ten of them. Those that worship Satan, they're called Satanists, they also have commandments. And their number one commandment is do whatever you want. You know what do whatever you want implies? Rebellion. You are the master of your own life. Nobody should have authority over you. Whatever you feel like, that's what you do. So when you go into the restroom and it says female, but you feel like a female. So go to the female. No, that's what it means. Do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. Do what you want. Do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever pleases you. Whether it pleases people around you or not, it does not matter. As long as it makes you feel good, that's what you do. But that's not the gospel. That goes contrary to the word of God. You cannot just do what you want. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your life does not belong to you. The Bible says you were bought with a price. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods. You can't just say it's mine. And this is the mentality we need to get rid of. This life is my life. This body is my body. This thing is mine. I can do whatsoever I want with it. No, my friends, it is not yours. You are a steward of that which God has given to you. Your life belongs to God. Your breath belongs to God. Everything about you belongs to God. Therefore glorify God with what he has given to you. And he has given you whatever you have in the meantime. I want to say in the meantime. Because the day is coming when he shall require that you give him an account of what you've done with what he has given to you for 80 years or 90 years or however the Lord gives you grace to live upon the earth. Can someone say amen? amen. So I want to say environment. Very important. 
Very important. I remember my wife and I were, we went to, to the UK, we were in London, and we got on the bus, and we were driving from, you know, it's, it's called Finsbury Park. We, were, we got on the bus in Finsbury Park, and we were heading to a place where we were staying for about three weeks. And on the bus, we saw some children in, I tell you, I have never seen kids that unruly. These children were so indisciplined. They were, oh my God, they wouldn't listen to the bus driver. They got on the bus with their uh, french fries and, and hamburgers, and they were just eating them on the bus and throwing them, and they just littered the bus. They littered the bus with their french fries, and when they finished, they threw the, the wrap on the, the pack on the, on the floor of the bus, they just made a mess. The whole place was stinking. And the bus driver kept saying, I mean, hey, kids, come on. Hey, these are students in their uniform. The bus driver was pleading with them. The bus driver was trying everything he could to get them to behave, but they would not even listen to the bus driver. I turned to my wife and I said, oh, my God, like, like what kind of kids are these? What kind of children? What kind of children are these? There are children that the Bible refers to as the children of Belial. Do you know that? What kind of children are these? These ones are totally given over to the devil. They were so unruly, they would not even listen to the bus driver. Because they may not know it. But they are living by the commandment of Satan. Do what thou wilt. Do whatsoever pleases you. Do what makes you happy. Don't bother about the driver on the bus. Though he is the boss and the captain of the bus. He is the authority on the bus. Don't bother about him. Do whatever you want. Still speaking on environment. Your home is an environment. A healthy relationship between husband and wife. It's an amazing example. I want to say to parents. That might be the best example your children would ever see. A healthy relationship between a husband and a wife. Today what do you see? You see children that are looking for a father figure. You know why some are looking for a father figure? Because they did not see a father figure at home. So a healthy relationship between parents is the right environment to raise children. Your children need to see you and your spouse at different seasons. Because that will majorly impact their life and their future. Can someone shout amen? amen? Under no circumstance should your children see you insult your spouse. Come on, I'm preaching good. Amen. Your children need to see you together. 52 years. It's not 52 months. <laughs> your kids must see you. They need to see you together. Because that will shape their future. 
There are so many things I can say about couples right now because one of the major problems that we see today in the family is absentee fathers. Doing what makes children don't make you a father. What makes you a father is responsibility. You can do what brings children. That's why today, even in the West, and some of these things are creeping into Africa. But children at the age of 14 are getting pregnant and having babies. So doing what makes babies does not make you a parent. Responsibility do. That's why I do not believe in living separately. Over the years, I've dealt with people that would come here and they would come and say, I'm here. Basically, they came to hustle. I understand their motive. Their motive was good. They want to provide for their family. I understand that. But when you leave your wife and your children because you want to make money, you are putting their lives at risk. This is not going to get a very big shout, I know. Amen. Thank you for one amen, but that is coming from a man who is not married. Uh, but thank you for the amen anyways. But you're putting their lives at risk. I do not believe that uh, couples should live at different places. The Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave. His father and his what? Mother. And he shall do what? Cleave or join or be joined unto his wife. And they shall become what? One flesh. One what? One flesh. Don't just say one. It says one flesh. Okay? It's not a word. It's a phrase. One flesh. They become one flesh. Therefore, what God? Has joined together. Let no man. Separate. Let no man also means you. Let no man does not mean your enemy only. It also means you. You the one that married into that marriage. You do not have the right to separate from your spouse. Preaching good say amen. amen. Because there are different responsibilities that we carry out in the home. My wife has got her responsibilities and I have got my responsibilities. It will be uneven when it is just the wife doing everything. Or when it is just the man or the father doing everything. There are things your mother will impart into you. And there are things your daddy will impart into you. Your daddy may not be able to impart into you what your mommy does. Vice versa. When my mom was about to leave her, fa her mother's her father's house. She had a one on one conversation with her mother, my grandmama. And her mother told her, as she was about to leave, she was about the age of 17 at the time. My dad, I guess, was about 21. And my mom was about to go into my dad's house, leaving her father's house, becoming a married woman. And her mother called her by the side and said to her, do not let any woman raise your kids. 
And that stayed with my mother all her life. She's still alive. My dad went home to be with the Lord five years ago. But my mother told me the story a few years ago. I didn't know the story. But I visited Nigeria and I sat with my mother. And one thing led to another. And she told me there was a day she would have left my father. She said as she was about to make that decision to leave. She remembered the advice of her mom. Don't let anybody raise your kids. You raise them yourself. And I'm glad she did. I said, I'm glad she did. Amen. Praise God for old school. I said, praise God for old school. Amen. Today, people get irritated a little bit. You didn't beat me for... You didn't get me anything for the anniversary. I'm not going to... People get, people get so easily irritated. People get so easily irritated, they can't even stay in their homes anymore. The rate of divorce has gone up in the church. May God help us. Because decisions are now being made by the flesh. And from the flesh, decisions are not being made based on commitment to a relationship. When you commit to a man, when you commit to a woman, it is for life. My God. This, this, this is meat. This is not milk. I'm feeding people meat this morning. And it takes time to, to digest it. So I understand. It's okay. I don't, expect, I don't want to expect people to shout. Just keep listening. Keep listening. Absentee father is one of the worst things that can happen to a child. Because it would take its toll on the child. And this is the reason why many young people are insecure today. Looking for a father figure. Because daddy was not home. And even in ministry, we have to be careful that we are not winning the world and losing our homes. Even in business, we have to be careful that we are not making all the millions and billions and losing our families. You can tell your family, well, I'm, I'm working hard to put food on the table, but I need you to understand there are things that food cannot do for them. Only your presence will. The father is the pastor. The father is the shepherd of his family. And his absence is a major blow on the children. After this message, some people will repent. <laughs> Number two key to raising godly children. It's leading by example. Everyone say leading by example. Look at what it says in Ephesians 6, 4. It says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the law. Listen, you can provoke your children by your wrongdoings. We have to encourage them, not provoke them. I said we have to encourage them, not provoke them. Now, let me just say this to you. Your children understand that you, a parent, is not perfect too. They are smart. They are not looking for a perfect 
dad or perfect mom. They're just looking for responsible parents. Responsible parents, they may have issues with you sometimes because of the imperfection, but you are responsible. That is what your children need. Come on now, say amen. amen. So parents, don't try to be perfect. Just be responsible. Be there for your children. Praise God. Come on now, say amen. amen. Because for you to lead them by example, you have to be at home. For you to lead them by example, they need to see your life. They need to see how you live. They need to see how you pray. They need to see how you treat your spouse. That is how children learn. Children are perfect copycats. It is not a terrible thing to make mistake or to make mistakes, but it's a terrible thing not to apologize after you've made a mistake. Because your children are going to learn from that. It is okay for a parent to say, I'm sorry. Because, uh, no, we live in, sometimes it's this chauvinistic mentality, chauvinistic behavior of some men that do not even think they should apologize to their children. Some don't even apologize to their wives. Preaching good. But it's okay if you realize you've made a mistake to go to your children and say, I apologize. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for how I behaved. Can you forgive me? That will go a long way to say volumes to them. Some of you just got married. You start having kids very soon. So listen to this carefully. <laughs> Your children will not do what you tell them. They will do what they consistently see you do. Number three key, pray for them always. Everyone say pray for them. Pray for your children all the time. The enemy is at work. The enemy wants to get them. When you pray for them, God will deliver them from the plans of the wicked one. When you pray for them, God will speak to you about them. He will speak to you about their destiny, about their future. Come on now, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pray for your children. It's your responsibility to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them consistently. Pray for them. Ask the Lord to help them. Ask the Lord to strengthen them. Ask the Lord to help them make the right choices. Your prayer over your kids. It's so important. You may never hear of the parents of some of the men and women that change the world positively. Right? But you hear of these men and women that have impacted the world globally and have impacted so many nations. But if you read their story, you will see behind their success was a praying mother. Praise the Lord. Behind their success was a praying father. Come on now, say amen. amen. Pray for your children consistently. Always lift them before God. Always bring them before the Lord. And the Lord will honor your prayer. Amen. 
Notice our text says, Ray, train up a child in the way he should go. Prayer is one of the ways to train them up. You pray, you commit them to God. But living the life that Christ... Listen, your kids will see God in you first. Mm. You, you will be the first Jesus. If you understand what I'm saying. You will be the first Jesus they would see. They have to see Christ in you. They have to see the glory of God. They have to see the character of God in you. They must see that or else you're going to lose them. Some parents say, hey, go to church, I'm coming. No, you don't tell your kids to go, you're coming. You take them with you. What's number three? Number three, pray for them always. Number four, pray as a family. Praying together is important for the spiritual health of the family. Now, this is where the, the father's pastoral responsibility comes in. Pray as a family. Pray as what? Pray as a family. I know you are too busy. You don't have the time to do it every day. But do it. Especially when your kids are that young age where they don't know their left from their right. That is when to begin to put these things into them. And you want to make sure you put so much in them so that when they are old enough to make their decisions, what you put in them will guide them. Are you listening to me? Pray as a family. That is so important. Number five, be a friend to your children. See, some parents are always very serious. <laughs> the house is always tense. Relax. Tell your neighbor, relax. Yes. Relax, guys. You hear the stories of some children. They say, oh, my dad was a disciplinarian. My dad was very serious, so I couldn't approach him. That's terrible. Tell somebody that is terrible. No, how can you have children and they cannot approach you? How can you have kids and they can't talk with you? The moment you show up, everyone is panicking. <laughs> now that's, that is an unhealthy family. Your children should be able to play with you. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Be their friend. Be their friend. We have a custom in my family to celebrate anyone who has a birthday. We are four. Anyone who has a birthday will be celebrated by all. Anyone who has a birthday will be celebrated by all. We all go out. We have a family time. Just the four of us. And each one bringing gifts. I love you. I love you. I love you. We play games too. You want your children to be your friend? Play games with them. I'm busy. I'm too serious. <laughs> play, play games with your kids. Have fun at home. 
Oh my God, you, you come to my house when we are playing games. It gets intense. Somebody's losing. And it gets intense. But it builds a bond. It builds a bond. It builds a bond in the home. We play, I tell you, we play, we play a lot of games. Even when Ben was still living with us, growing up, six, seven, eight, we played games. Some days we had to play a lot of games because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> I was so broke, so we just played games, and games helped to filling that emptiness and, <laughs> and that void. Amen. <laughs> but we played a lot of games, and it helped us. It helped us to build a bond. Father-son, mother-son. It helped us. The, the, the unity of the home. My family is so important to me. And they know it. I will beat somebody for them. <laughs> Maybe that's the only time I use the word beat. <laughs> I will beat somebody <laughs> for, for them. No, we, you know, we have a tight, really, we are, we are tight. And there is mutual respect. Praise God. But I also come from a home that was tight. Oh my God. My parents, my parents were the, oh my God. I have six siblings. We're seven in total. Till Jesus returns. By the grace of God, nothing will split us. We are so close. We respect our, you don't cross the border and all of that. We have our wives and husbands and all of that. But my God, we, you talk about unity. No room for fight. No room for quarreling. Nothing like that. I can't remember the last time we had a fight. But families are torn apart because this one has this opinion, that one has that opinion. And so it's just nothing but trouble. It's, it's thought world war breaking out in some homes. But you know how we were raised? We were raised in such a way where we all played together. We played in the sand. All of us. We were playing. We had fun. We went. I mean, we did a lot of things. I mean, coming from where we came from, you know how when your dad will sew a special garment, a special Christmas, uh, Christmas um, garment for you, outfit, and... Um, you know, when you, your big brother has it, and, and then the next one have it, <coughs> it is passed, it was passed down from generation to generation, <laughs> and <laughs> you grow into the outfit. All of that kept us together. Praise the Lord. And my dad was a friend. My father gone home to be with Jesus, he was a friend. My dad was good. He was a friend. So one day, a, a brother walked up to me. He said, oh, he said, Pastor Godwell, I have a word for you. In this church. He said, there's something that happened between you and your dad that affected your heart. The Lord showed it to me. He was prophesying. I looked at him. He began to ask me, say, how was your relationship with your father? I said, my relationship with my father was perfect. 
Some people think God speaks to them. <laughs> God wasn't speaking to you. I had an amazing, till the day my dad went home to be with Jesus, I had an amazing, amazing relationship with him. Amazing. I longed to be with my father. I had no reason to be afraid of my dad. We would, my, myself and my younger sister would look for reasons to go to his office just to eat, of course. But <laughs> my dad was a chef. He cooked good. When he was coming home, we would run to him and embrace him. And you tell me that something went wrong between me and my dad? Who is speaking to which devil told you that? Because I'm sure God didn't tell you that. That couldn't have come from God because God himself knew my relation with my dad was perfect. My mom was the tough one. My mom was really tough. She thinks she's calming down because maybe with age. But my wife, no. My mom is, my mom says, I don't take, I don't, I don't tolerate rubbish. <laughs> my mom is a tough one. But, but I still have a great relation. We still have a great relation with my mom. Number six, you've got to win the trust of your children. You want to raise godly kids? Win their trust. Now, the fact that, oh, I am your dad, you've got to trust me. No. Children don't just trust you because of your position. Trust must be earned. And let me tell you, if your kids are not telling you secrets, don't start shouting and complaining. You've got to ask this question to yourself. What was my first reaction when they told me the previous mistake they made? They will run away. They'll not talk to you again. Anybody getting this? Your reaction would determine the next line of action for the child. You've got to win their trust. And if you've made mistakes with your reaction, you say, I'm sorry. Please, I apologize. I made a mistake. Like I said earlier, your children are smart. They are not looking for perfect parents. They are looking for responsible ones. Anybody getting what I'm saying? Just admit you made a mistake. They understand you made a mistake. They will forgive you. But you've got to own up you made a mistake. You can't keep claiming your father or your mother and not admit your mistake. You've got to admit it and you've got to say, I apologize for what I did or what I said. And then you make amends. Can someone say amen? amen. So the fact that you are a parent does not mean your kids will automatically trust you. You've got to earn their trust. Number seven, watch over them. Say, watch over them. Watch over them. Hmm. You ask God to bless you with children, he did. You've got to be responsible to watch over them. Your housemates must not become the mother. Get involved in their business. Because your business may be destroying them if you don't get involved. What are they watching on TV? Come on now, say amen. amen. 
You know, it's a lot of work to raise children. So some parents just, look, just stay with your phone and stay busy because it makes the man or the woman free. You understand what I mean? No, you can't do that. You've got to be responsible. You've got to watch over your children. Amen? Amen. The friends they're hanging out with, sleeping out. This is still something I don't understand with some people still. They let their kids go sleep somewhere else. This, listen to me, this is where many destinies are being ruined. Don't tell me, pastor, don't you trust me? I don't. No, I'm just being, when it comes to, when it comes to these things, we have to be, we, we have to be careful. This is where many future, many destinies are being destroyed because somebody went to sleep somewhere else. Sleeping out. Sleep at home. Make sure your children are sleeping in your house. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, sometimes you talk about this. People's minds begin to run to men sexually abusing women or girls. I need you to understand. Even men sexually abuse boys. You need to hear this. Girls, even housemaids sexually abuse girls touching them in the wrong places and their destinies are affected because they get to 20 they are a mess they can't relate well with anybody some of the people you see that are perverted, some of them are now into all kinds of perversion. If you hear their story, they'll tell you somebody touched them the wrong way as a kid. Where was the father? Where was the mother? They trusted them into the hands of one uncle or into the hands of one, one, one whoever. Then they went over there and slept. And that was the night. They were messed up. This is the destiny of your children, my friends. Oh, but, but pastor, because of the economy. Oh, but pastor, because of my, I don't have a job. Oh, pastor, because I need to take care of the family. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. We're in the future of your children because you want to make an extra dollar. That is the reason why... When it comes to life, you've got to plan your life well. Proper planning of your life is important. Don't get involved in something you are not capable of doing. Plan your life well. If all you've got is a cup of rice, then eat that cup of rice with your family. If you have to go hungry for your children to eat, then do it. My mom did it for us many times. But never gave me to anybody to look after me because they, they were struggling fine. No, whatever was at home was what we ate. And I stand here today to tell you, by the grace of God, nobody, nobody touched me the wrong way. Come on now, say praise the Lord. 
Woke up in my father's house, went to school, came back. Oh my God. We, we have, look, you, you hear stories, man. You, you just wonder, my God, why would this happen to you? Why would this happen to this person? Carelessness. Okay, let me go to the next thing. Last but not the least, I'll finish with this. Provide for them. I want to provide for them. Provide for your children. This has not, listen, what I'm, what I'm saying now, number eight, has nothing to do with buying them expensive stuff. I'm just talking about providing for them. Put food in their stomach. Work a job. Do what it takes to provide for your children. Now, when I say do what it takes, you know what I mean by that. God will bless righteous labor. I didn't say go sell drugs to provide for your children. I didn't say go. No, I'm telling you right now because in these days you have, to, you have to put things in the right context. When I say provide, do what it takes to provide for your children means, even if it means working a menial job, even if it means carrying stuff on your head, do what it takes to put food on the table for your kids. Provide for them. Come on now, say amen. And let me also say this. Provide, look, plan out your life and see what you can afford. Don't go ahead and start having kids and saying God will provide. <laughs> no, really. A friend of mine just kept having a set of twins, a set of twins, a set of twins. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, the, the Bible says go into the world and multiply. <laughs> But in his case, in his case, he's rich. He's rich. He was a professional football player. So he is rich. He has sets and sets of twins. You know, so yes. So I said, bro, he said, the Lord said, go into the world and bounce back. He could say that, but not everyone can. Okay? Amen? Praise the Lord. Did that bless anybody today?